0: since brevity is the soul of wit.
1: More of your conversation would infect my brain. Romeo? Wherefore art thou, Romeo?
0: To speak of him as my kinsman, he's a most notable coward, an infinite and endless liar, an hourly promise-breaker, the owner of no one good quality worthy your lordship's entertained. I'd beat thee, but I should infect my hand! The lady doth Test too much, things. The course of true love never did run smooth.
1: I'm Lindsay, and I'm Aiden, and together we are the BixPod. Yes, indeed. And today we are discussing the second part of Henry the Fourth. Yes. Which is the third part of the second tetralogy. So, if you're keeping count, <laughs> that's four plays. Well, it's, it's in the, the tetralogy. seventh out
0: of eight plays.
1: In the two Henriads. Yes. This is the second Henriad, which takes place before the the first Henriad. Yeah, so it's a little bit confusing. <laughs> yeah. Kind of me. like the Star Wars movies. They kind of jumped all around in time and space. Also very much like Twin Peaks, which we have been recently yes. watching with a friend of ours who is not... Um, a newbie. Yeah, a new. Um, we just literally today, like an hour ago, finished watching the finale, season two finale, and yes. she was just... Her mind was blown. Yeah. So um, so that was fun. Yeah. Um, it brought us back a little to it did. To and Twin Peaks days. So. so we wanted to bring that up here because yeah. many of you listening probably remember... Way back in the bygone era of Bickering Peaks, when <laughs> yes. before we renamed and rebranded our bo- our podcast, um, our bodcast, our bod podcast, our bardcast, yes, Ooh. oh, I like. Anyway, that. before we became <laughs> the Vicks Pod, we were Bickering Peaks. We did Twin Peaks yeah. uh, recaps and uh, David Lynch and Mark Frost and all that. So it was neat. It was fun to mm-hmm. to go back to our. Our roots, I guess. Yes. As it were.
0: And uh the day before that we had just watched or I guess it was two days before that, uh we had watched uh Henry the Fourth part two. Yes, and we that's watched right. the BBC yes. production once again. Yeah. Um again, one of the few productions that treats the play as a standalone entity and yeah. doesn't subsume it into the larger thing a la the Hollow Crown. Yes. Um, which we'll get to later on. Yeah. Um but yeah, and uh we read the play. Lindsay has taken to doing audiobook. I have
1: actually, actually I really like that. Um the last two plays, so the the two Henry the fourth plays I've listened to a play on Spotify um and read along with it and I found that at least for the history plays I don't know Aiden you don't seem to have the same problem as I do um I'm bored when I read the history (laughs) plays I'm not gonna lie it's
0: fair I mean these ones are the are by far the much better ones but yeah slogging through Richard the second or Henry the Henry the sixth part three was was definitely a And I, I
1: I guess it's just kind of nice to cuz you know we're living in the time of COVID-19 and there's no plays productions being put on mm-hmm. um, for a live theater audience. We would have been going to our local yeah. theater productions Shakespeare right Festival. Um mm-hmm. yeah, right about now. So I miss that and I feel like the audiobooks at least they're not audiobooks. They're like recordings of plays that produ- production companies have put on. And this mm-hmm. version that I listened to was a Cambridge theater yes. production from 1959 starring like Ian McKellen and Derek Jacoby and Eleanor Braun was in it. Yeah. Like it was, it was big. quite <laughs> an amazing cast, Corn yeah. Redgrave. So it was really cool to like hear these words being performed by these amazing, you know, actors of our age and before, but in their prime, yeah.
0: before well, their the prime, early, yeah, maybe, their right? Yeah. early years, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I would highly recommend doing that if you're struggling with any of these plays as I have been listening to it while you read it is I don't know it it just it changes the way that I approach the plays so
0: so before we get any further though it is my unhappy task to uh provide the 30 second summary yes of this play uh Lindsay you're gonna have to give me like 30 seconds of lead in time here because I have really this one's (laughs) this one's a challenge um but whenever you're ready
1: No, whenever you're ready
0: Go. I am ready. Go. So... Uh, This one picks up right where Henry the First Part 1 ended. Henry the Fourth Part 1, obviously, sorry, damn it, ended. Uh, This is a true sequel, 80s style. Uh, You pick up, the rebellions are still in play. Uh, There's rebellion in the North this time, and everybody's got to go shut it down. Uh, Falstaff is once again recruiting soldiers and taking them around. Uh, The whole play doesn't really have a big narrative thrust the way it does in Part 1. You get some Falstaff, who's funny. You get some Falstaff, who's sad. You get Hal doing some stuff. And uh, hilarity ensues. (laughs) The end. Yes.
1: Yes. <laughs> Hilarity ensues is my line, my friend. Okay,
0: yeah, I, I had to borrow that one because this, this play is just—it is literally well, all over the map. It—it's
1: not. Um, It's—it doesn't feel like a traditional three act or five act, but really like this traditional structure of a of a play where there's mm-hmm. like a central conflict. Yes, there is, but it kind of bleeds over from the first part where the yeah. the conflict is really between Falstaff and henry yes well in this play the fifth yes yes but there's and then there's like other conflicts as well that come in some of them are like falstaff and the law, and like who he yeah. owes money to, and who he's been duplicitous with, and then there's like um, the whole rebellion that's still going on with the archbishop, and there's everything happening with Northumberland, and, and then there's the king, there's the king sick getting and dying. sick, and all of like, the brothers get involved. Who yeah. Aiden reminded me are the the, same. the, the uncles in the Henry the Sixth plays, <laughs> which I like obviously, right? So it's kind of neat. to See there you know, origin super stories, villain yeah. origin stories. But um, but yeah, so it really is all, all over the place. I don't mm-hmm. fault you for not being able to give like a nice, it, easy... Well, and
0: it's, it's so odd because we talked about this uh, while we were watching it, especially we're like, this is like well okay first of all I have to go back on what I said last uh, episode on okay. Henry the fourth part one where I was like yeah you know don't Shakespeare wrote sequels for sequels sake yeah. uh, a la you know this one and Measure for Measure because people love Falstaff so much but you
1: mean Mary Wise of Winthrop. Mary Wise
0: of Winter, yeah. sorry of course uh uh, but this is actually not at all a similar sequel. It's no. not like it just takes the the thing that worked. It could have just been Hal and some new hotspur um, right. that lead up to a final confrontation and have this you know momentous clash. And they have all these opposites and doubles. It's not the 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 final conflict is between Hal and Falstaff yeah. um, as this surrogate father figure. Yeah. Um, once Hal becomes the father of the country. Right. Um, and it's it's just it is. In, in almost every way, the exact opposite of part one, where part one had yeah. this nice, clean uh, divisions and uh, driving narrative. Mm-hmm. Part two is scattered, and it's mm-hmm. it's haphazard, and the same characters are there, and they feel like the same characters, but they have none of the same uh, structure that, that drives them into a certain place. In-
1: Which is interesting because the essay that I... I can't remember if it was the Folger essay mm-hmm. or another essay that I read about it um, mentions the fact that we've got mirroring happening here Mm -hmm. in the sense that things that happened in part one are mirrored or not copied but they're they're kind of referred back to in an interesting way such Mm -hmm. as we have falstaff and how engaging in subterfuge against one another in the first play it's the gad's hill thing Mm -hmm. where henry steals the money from falstaff Falstaff that he stole from the people on the road in this version it's um Hal and Poins dressing up as waiters in the Boar's Head Tavern to fool Falstaff and then it's 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 the exact same scene but the stakes feel different yes. and there's a couple of other things that happen too that are just they're just it's like a, an echo almost of yes. the first play and I really do wonder cuz there's a, a gap in time between the writing of these two plays mm-hmm. But I have to wonder how much of this was planned out beforehand, yes. and how much of it was a response to Falstaff being such a popular character. character because yeah. Falstaff is, I would argue, the main protagonist yeah. of this play, yeah. and so that's not something for a play that's called Henry the Fourth, Part Two. Henry the Fourth is hardly in it. Yeah. Although he does have some of the best scenes and yeah. the best uh, yeah lines. lines and stuff. Yeah, in, Definitely. Yeah. But um, but yeah. So it's like this play was written to showcase. Falstaff mm-hmm. and that feels that that is part of what makes this feel like a strange play
0: I mean I yeah I agree and at the same time I disagree in the sense that you're saying that the first one didn't highlight Falstaff no when the first I, one
1: absolutely did it did this one was just like a vehicle for Falstaff it was like oh Falstaff is popular so we better write and then they did Mary Wise of Windsor which was like well, yeah we were gonna do so that yeah and that's the
0: thing I feel like this one is is a little more purposeful even than that it's not so much uh let's give Falstaff a vehicle it's let's wrap up this strange story that we've started because there are there are certainly parts of part one uh, like there's the scene with the Archbishop uh, of yeah. York talking about his rebellion and, and then you never see him again right. in like act four it's like yeah. the end of act four so he and, comes back and he comes back in this yeah. one like it's 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 very much uh, meticulously kind of laid out in the sense of like if you did view both plays together it it almost makes way more well, sense to view history. either one like
1: this is what actually happened so there is more story to tell for Definitely. sure
0: yeah but I mean the other Henry the Sixth parts didn't feel like that. They were individual plays with individual elements that, yes, yes, the the characters ran across. Yeah, it was almost like an
1: excuse to deal with some themes he was thinking about using Henry VI as the vehicle for that. Whereas here, it's like we're telling the story and they're more or less faithful to the story. Yeah. I keep seeing they.
0: But Shakespeare, yeah. Shakespeare is
1: more or less faithful to the story of what happened during Henry IV's reign. But there's also... These and it's very compelling elements. It just feels strange to have Falstaff. Falstaff takes up so much real estate, and I'm not that's not a fat joke, I'm not (laughs) body shaming him, but he does take up a lot of real estate on the page. You know what I mean? Like, he has a lot to do,
0: yeah. And and I I think it's interesting that, like, he does really become the central figure. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that is possibly just because he was really popular, but um, I think it's also just a natural outcome of part one where Hal started to distance himself yeah um and he's he's taken on the serious reins of fighting Hotspur and he's he's mm-hmm. become victorious he's heading towards that kingship that we see yeah. at the end of this play yeah um so all those and all those other little inversions along the way kind of hints that this this turn is coming
1: yeah in probably.
0: Hal right yeah. um because yeah there there are so many scenes where you're just like oh yeah this is eerily similar like there's a negotiation scene where (laughs)
1: um, they offer
0: like the king's army offers the rebels peace and in the first one Hasper's like no of course not we're gonna fight and um, here
1: it's like yeah here, we'll take it we'll but take then it. the and, yeah, everything then, is overturned. Exactly.
0: And, so like it is literally just the opposite like they take it and then they get killed anyways. Yeah. Um like it's there's a bunch of little pieces like that that are false that are,
1: staff, in you know killing quote unquote killing yes. Hotspur stabbing him in the thigh yes. in part 1 and here actually capturing a guy but being told that he's like lazy and yeah, nothing. Yeah, and he's no not a real but he's actually captured yeah, you know, yeah. so and so of the dale.
0: Right? Exactly. Yeah. And it's and it's it's just a it's a strange sensation yeah. throughout to to see these uh juxtapositions. It, it seems very similar actually to part one in the sense that yeah. part two kind of acts as Hotspur does to part one. There's there's all these uh contrasting scenes and what have you that Yeah. That, it's
1: almost like the uh the foil to part one. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Really. But
1: I like what you said about the the those little shifts in Like the echo part, where it's changed a little bit, being like a a hint, foreshadowing Mm -hmm. of what um, Hal is eventually going to do, which is something that we know about. There's that dramatic irony, not really, because well, kind of. Like we know, we know Hal's in her mind. We know that he's going to eventually turn his back on his ne'er do well life and become king, Um, which is yeah, exactly what happens in. At the end of this play, mm-hmm. but um, it's still interesting to see that kind of forecast a little bit yeah. in the goings on of the, the various characters. Yeah, yeah. Why then, the world's mine oyster, which I with sword will open. So I guess we can start with the first, the the very first thing with both, which both Aiden and I really loved and remarked upon as soon as we saw it which is this induction this prologue mm-hmm. with Rumor personified as a character yeah. who comes on on stage and I think I can't remember what exactly it says like
0: covered in tongues covered in tongues
1: or dressed like that it's kind of rare for Shakespeare to have like actual
0: like clothing costume direction, direction. Yeah, exactly, but yeah. this
1: feels like it's very yeah like appropriate because Rumor is just you know tongue wagging yeah. right Yeah, and he comes out and, and gives this long winded speech about Rumor what Rumor mm-hmm. does and how it how it functions in communication between yeah. human beings, and it's really interesting that that's the first the first thing we hear because the next scene obviously is Northumberland being confronted by three different versions of events that happened From Shrewsbury, at Shrewsbury, yeah, yeah. and it's all rumor. It's like three guys who heard a story and ran to the king to tell him immediately. Well, it's two like a, of them,
0: and then the last yes, one saw it actually. Yeah, happened. exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: but it's like it's like the world's worst game of telephone, right? Yeah. And that's that happens a lot in the play where like yes. rumors and stories get out and. And there's, there's not really a lot, like I think, um, uh, I forget his name, the the judge that Falstaff goes to, Shallow? Shallow, yeah. Is like, or no, 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 not Shallow. The Justice of the Peace. Oh, yeah. The, is the, like the, the only honest person in the yeah. entire play. Everybody else has an angle. Yes. or Or is thinking of themselves in a certain way, like Shallow, who misremembers his exploits with Falstaff. Yes. Falstaff Express is the one who calls rumors. them out yeah. on it. Falstaff misremembers everything yeah. on purpose. So, yeah. like, nobody in this play is being truthful. So to have the play start with rumor yeah. personified on stage is just so cool.
0: It, it is really cool. And I think there's, especially in the BBC production, I found mm-hmm. there, that that just kind of feeling of everybody's playing in some way a game. Everyone's lying to each other mm-hmm. and lying to themselves even. Um, the there are two scenes that don't have that, and they're kind of the most important scene. Well, three, I guess, yeah. if you include the end. But there's the one with Hal uh, and his father yes. when his father's dying. Um, and then there's actually—I don't know if you've felt this too, Lindsay, but the uh, the bar tavern slash brothel scene yeah. between
1: uh, Falstaff
0: and—, and uh, Or
1: dull, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, the two of them, actually, I found it to be almost like— a real genuine moment there mm-hmm. it was there There was real affection there and then as soon as Hal enters the scene uh, and there's there's kind of a third party that yeah. that enters uh, you know he's putting down Dahl again and yeah. Falstaff is and he's yeah. just treating her like crap again and saying she's going to hell and everything like there there is this there's it's when you have individuals uh, who can who have something to say to each other that, that it can happen, but there's not many scenes where it's just two people. There's yeah. there's a lot of characters on stage throughout well, this play. And
1: I was just thinking as you were saying it, the scene where Lady Percy confronts her father-in-law yeah. over his duplicity because he doesn't go to fight with his son yeah. and he pretends to be sick, yes. and that's why he's unable to fight. Yeah. And she calls him out on that pretty harshly. Yeah. And it's like it was interesting to me to see that because you mentioned quickly. And Tearsheet. Uh Tearsheet? Tearsheet?
0: Tearsheet? I don't know. The Tearsheet? other sex yeah. worker who
1: yes. occupies the boar's head with yeah. Mistress Quickly. Um, like, women didn't have much of a role to play in part one, but it seems like the women in this play are almost um, aside from from the justice of the piece, like they they really are they're not standing for the bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. Mistress Quickly calls out Falstaff, Falstaff like or- she wants him. Arrested, you know, arrested yeah. for not pay, she he owes her so much money yeah. right and is is lying to her and he's eating her out of house and home, yeah. House and home. <laughs> um, yeah and and doll doesn't take pistols bullshit yeah, crap at all yeah she pulls so, a knife on the yeah leg. she does like she she's yeah. because he's a he's a a cretin he's yeah. he builds himself up calls himself this but he's not he's yeah. very pompous and arrogant like the women are the ones who are calling this stuff out which is funny to me because women are usually seen as the ones that that keep the rumor mill going yeah. they're usually depicted as hens clucking in the background that's all they do but in this play there's an interesting dynamic where the women are the ones doing the calling out when when it happens yeah. i don't know that was just something that came up as you were saying no
0: it, and it's true it's it's there, yeah again and it's kind of like again there was last uh play there was a woman who couldn't even you couldn't even understand the words she yeah, was saying exactly. and then we've come over to here where the women are the most direct uh you know uh I was going to say sentient, but... Um, yeah,
1: they're definitely <laughs> sentient, Aiden. Women have thoughts. Really? <laughs> and self-awareness. Oh my God. Yes. No.
0: <laughs> Prescient, maybe, is the word I was looking for, but they're, yeah, okay. they're, they're the ones who have uh, the most to say on kind of really important topics that the place, kind of dancing around yeah. the rest of the time.
1: And I don't know why. I mean, it might be because the men have things to gain or lose,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but the women are kind of set in their places. They, they don't yeah. really have much social mobility or financial economic mobility yeah. so like lady percy is now a widow mistress quickly will always be a bar tavern owner yeah. um doll will always be a tavern wench like this is just they don't have anything to lose they don't yeah. have anything to gain so why not tell the truth why yeah. not call people out on their bullshit
0: right yeah. whereas so, all yeah exactly especially the uh the whole backstab in the uh, negotiation yeah. thing is kind of indicative of like like they give their word they swear they do all these things that you know knights would not fall back on yeah. and they just arrest them and and yeah. condemned to death, and it's yeah. like, um, like that level of duplicitousness, duplicity, yeah. duplicity. Uh, is is totally contrasted to the women who are yeah. just calling it like it is, yeah. and yet. The women kind of, and Falstaff to an extent, are punished at the end, yes. whereas the brothers who led this treachery are, you know... Exalted. The, exactly. They have
1: positions of great power, as yeah. we see Hal becomes Henry V. Yeah. His brothers become the...
0: The dukes the that dukes dukes lead that, his armies yeah. in France. So, exactly. Yeah. So, I
1: mean, it's... it's. I don't think Shakespeare's making any kind of grand social commentary, but it is interesting to read into it and wonder, you know, why that is.
0: Yeah. all... All I have is eat me out of house and home. Power
1: is another one that kind of comes into play, another theme, mm-hmm. you know, besides lies and, and duplicitousness. Duplicity, I know. Dupli- I'm just making I, fun I like of you the, now. Yeah, yeah, thank we you. We can <laughs> say duplicitousness. Sure. It's it's Rolls off the tongue. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, so uh, power is something else. You already mentioned the... Uh, Um, the scene with Hal and and his father Mm -hmm. and the transfer of power um, which kind of plays into the next theme I want to talk about which is family but let's stick with power for a second just because um, yeah the the transfer of power is so interesting here because we have Henry IV who this is the play with the famous uh, you know heavy or uneasy lies the head that wears the crown and it's um, nowhere is that more true than in the first king to really rule based on the stolen. deposition yeah, exactly. of a king before him. <laughs> yeah. So of course his reign is going to be crappy and and not peaceful and mm-hmm. really, really rocky. So he he doesn't even trust his own son. Yeah, And as we saw in part one, he doesn't think his son is fit to rule. But in this, it becomes a paranoia, which isn't helped by Hal's actions in lifting the crown off of the bed when his yeah. father is merely sleeping. But Hal does think his dad is dead. So he thinks he is rightfully... Earned the crown at that yeah. point, but the difference between the two, as as Henry points out to Hal, is that I took the crown; mm-hmm. you will inherit it. Yeah. So your reign will will naturally be
0: unquestioned. Or, yeah. Yeah. Unlike mine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So Which, there's like a
1: real difference in the way that either of them is each of them is going to approach
0: kingship. Yeah, and, and it it's kind of, but there's a similarity too because at the end, uh, you get the you know, Hal interacting with the Justice of the Peace mm-hmm. and Falstaff saying, like, no, I'm the king now. I need to be kingly and I need yeah. to install order and do institute the law and everything, yeah. which is the same as his father's approach. So mm-hmm. I mean in, in some respects it's it is a natural continuation. Yes. Um and as we know, uh, obviously the the Henrys did not hold on to power no. indefinitely. No. you know there was the whole more of the roses in between. Uh, there was still, again, all related to Richard II being dethroned. So, yeah. um, it it is a it's a little prophetic, and it's uh, it's very much s- situated on our kind of foreknowledge of Henry V and what yeah. a great king he was in the sense yeah. that he died so young he didn't have much of a chance to really scrub he went to france yeah but he, he was the
1: only one to win france yeah. and hold the crown his son held the crown for you know yeah, a period of time, time minute, yeah. as an infant but he won france i mean <laughs> yeah. that's that's a big deal and the english you know legendary heroic canon that's yeah. pretty big
0: right? definitely it's it's so, huge so i mean it's he it, looms but, large exactly and and you get the sense that uh at least I did when I was, especially when I was reading it. I was mm-hmm. like, "This play relies on you buying into that narrative yeah. about Henry V, which he's been building up in both of Part One and Part Two yes. of, of Henry the Um, But it's it re- it requires you agreeing that that is uh, that Henry the v- Fifth is the greatest English monarch. Well,
1: and in talking about that, we've mentioned, you mentioned, this is your central thesis for Mm -hmm. all the history plays, that these are all ruminations on what makes a good king. And it really does seem like Shakespeare is pointing to Henry V as the greatest king that England has ever had, which is not to say that Elizabeth wasn't great or that James wasn't great, but it really seems like historically... Looking back, yeah. Henry V was the pinnacle. Like, this is what everybody should aspire to, yeah. whether you believe that or not. I, I do think that the attention that Shakespeare gives to Henry V and Hal in these plays is mm-hmm. indicative of that. I don't yeah. know. Do you feel the same? Yeah, no, way? definitely.
0: Yeah. I, I feel like everything is building towards this whole tetriad or tetri-
1: tetrology. <laughs>
0: tetrology Henryad, sorry, yes. Uh is leading towards Henry V. It is the ultimate pinnacle of, of kingship. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I definitely buy that. And I think in terms of how he structures Henry's uh, or Hal's appreciation of power, it is based around that fact that that ultimate u- utilization of power is coming yeah. And it's waiting for him to take a hold of in France. Well, so. and,
1: and we have, like, in in the first part, there's plausible deniability. You know, you could say, well, as I did, that, that Hal was sincere in his approach to Falstaff and mm-hmm. the the other East Cheap crowd yeah. that he hangs out with. Um, but here there's really no doubting the fact, well, we, aside from the fact that he's said it outright, that he's just doing this to be, yeah. you know, duplicitous I guess yeah um in this play we actually see him take action that that suggests that that's that's his true self that Mm -hmm. that being true to his father is what he wants to do and that is seen most clearly in that the scene where he apologizes to his father where where he thinks his father has died he Mm -hmm. takes the crown and then he comes back it has to bear the brunt of his father's anger and and then apologizes for it. And they have that last final touching scene together where Mm -hmm. he passes on the last bit of wisdom. He will as a father. Like it's a very powerful scene. Um, but it's, uh, it's something that, yeah, like we know this is coming and we know that he becomes this great king watching him get there has been really, it's really fun because he does do a lot of really interesting things Mm -hmm. and funny things. And it's, it's great to be introduced to Falstaff. Um, I have to wonder if it's like if you know the ending of the story that you're watching or that you're writing, yeah. like you have to make it interesting along the way. So you introduce a character like Falstaff where yeah. you introduce, you know, elements that didn't happen or you extrapolate and, and make them more interesting or less interesting or combine multiple Characters into and one. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that's what the essay in the whole dress was talking about the the idea of expectation and how it's actually delivered and the reality of that, mm-hmm. which is really, it is it is interesting to look at that because this is a play where we know how things end up. So yeah. um, having that kind of narrative structure of mirroring but changing things slightly keeps the interest going yeah. a little bit more. Yeah, and and kind of leads naturally into. That ending where where Hal grows up and becomes the king that we always knew he was going to be. Mm-hmm. But we had our doubts back in the beginning. Everybody had their doubts. Yeah. You know, even his... Up to the point that his father dies, everybody was... His yeah. brothers... His
0: brothers even, yeah. Advisors yeah. didn't yeah.
1: believe that he was... Even Falstaff, up to the very last scene, doesn't believe that he's actually doing this. Yeah. Right?
0: So... To almost the very last line like literally like, yeah he's like oh yeah he'll call for me yeah at night or something yeah. right right until he's he just has arrested. to pretend to be yeah. to be this way yeah
1: he's not actually shunning me yeah you know which is much more i said it says much more about falstaff's uh ethos than it yeah, does I think so really anything else yeah it's true um but that does lead into that that family the theme of family yes. right because um as we talked about before um, Falstaff is like a surrogate father for Hal. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting, Aiden, you said something earlier about, um, Henry, B- Henry V, Hal becoming the father of England. Like mm-hmm. he, he takes over the role of father and in the process loses both of his father figures, his yeah. actual biological father and his surrogate father. Yeah. He pushes him away. Yeah. Um,
0: and then has to assume the mantle of, of paternalist. Yeah. Yeah. Ruler. Ruler. Um, and, yeah, and, yeah, and it's it's interesting that he uh, he kind of I mean we I mean even in Henry V he, we see him with uh, Catherine yeah uh, uh, the Avalois. princess of, yeah the princess of France um, but we never see Hal as an actual father no um, and that's that's kind of one of the biggest gaps here is that he we kind of have to assume that he would treat his children like he treats his kingdom and that mm-hmm. and so you get a tiny little glance of it here um, where he's. He's incredibly cruel to Falstaff. Oh, yeah. But at the same time he he kind of leaves a bit of a door open. You know, it's it's if you reform, if you if yeah. you come around to doing things the way I think they should be done, yeah. and you follow the rules and everybody's peaceful and happy, then I'll let you back in. You know? It's it's cuz I I'd never read this scene. I'd never seen anything about uh I'd never seen a production or anything yeah. where where we actually saw the the stabbing of Falstaff's yes. heart. Um I, w- I was actually a little surprised. I thought it was it was going to be even meaner. I thought it would be a little less or even more rigid. Yeah. Um, it is still heartbreaking. Like it's one of the saddest. I know. Scenes to watch. You couldn't even watch it when we were. I watching had to leave the room. We were watching it. Just, I'm like, I it is. Can't. And the 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 BBC production. Uh, the actor who played Falstaff is just great. At, at you just you witness his heartbreaking. It's, yeah. Because he he loves hell. Yeah. Um. And whether or not he's going to be king or not. I mean, there is that that whole thing of him you know being super happy that Hal's king not because it's good for Hal because it's good for Falstaff yeah so you that's you get the sense that's where most of maybe uh Falstaff's pain Maybe is.
1: initially but
0: but then you're like yeah. oh no, he really loved Hal like yeah. he he really did view him I mean even his last uh little scheme was to make him laugh you know he wanted yeah. to do nothing but make Hal laugh yeah. with uh Shallow so yeah. like so you get, like, when Falstaff is suddenly turned into the child and has to be uh, disciplined, Yeah, uh, you get the sense that, yeah, Hal's rough, but kind of fair at the same time. Yeah. He does follow, like, the Justice of the Peace, uh, his kind of ethos of like yeah. this is the these are the rules you got to yeah. kind of follow them or else yeah. things will fall apart and you'll have chaos and you'll have bad things happen yeah
1: um, like I acted one way when I was a prince but now that I'm the king yes. I, I have to reform everybody has to reform like yeah. this is how things are done yeah you know, I can't get away with this anymore and, and nobody should, right? So
0: Which if, is just seems so unfair though, because Falstaff's an old man who's set in his ways. Like he's not gonna well, he's not gonna reform another or any of the other East Cheap because no. they don't have a chance. They don't have the means or the ability mm. to just suddenly, oh yeah, I'm gonna
1: I'm gonna be good now. I'm gonna be good now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, gonna, gonna go pull have a ben a career. horn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, pull a ben horn. And <laughs> you know? just do good. Just do good munch on your carrots yeah, and be yeah, on your way. Exactly. Um Yeah, and and that but it's interesting you said that falstaff is an old man he never seems older than it in this play anyway because he's he tries to act young mm-hmm. and he he pretends, he be young, pretends right? to yeah. be young he has all along but there's such a, an emphasis a focus on it, on it. Yeah. um that that kind of theme of weakness and illness and death just yeah. hangs over the entire play right like yeah. the country of england is sick yeah. the king is sick Northumberland is crafty sick yeah Um, Falstaff's first line is asking his page about whether the doctor approved of his urine sample like what what did he find in my urine yeah Talks about uh, diseases of the young, syphilis versus diseases of the old, which is gout. And of course he has gout, but he's like, maybe it's syphilis, you know, because I'm not that old. And he takes offense, like when, when we meet Shallow and Silence, the two um, county, parish, yeah, whatever are they are, around, yeah. um, when Falstaff is picking his army, they're talking about... Um, knowing, well, Shallow is anyway, talking about knowing Falstaff like 50 years ago yeah. when he was a little boy. Yeah. He's not a young man, but he hangs out with Poins and how and all these young 20-something kids to make himself feel young. And he never, it's its that thing where like, you know, dress your age, act your age, because you look worse yeah. if you don't. If like you like, a 60-year-old woman wearing a mini skirt Not, again, not body <laughs> shaming. I think 60-year-old women can wear whatever they want. But there's that, that idea in yeah. our society that sixty year old women don't do that. Yeah. Men as old as Falstaff don't, don't
0: hang out with do 25 that. year olds and Yeah, get it's drunk weird, in the right? Yeah. So
1: yeah, I just it's it's interesting that, that um I think it's very fitting that Falstaff is kind of the central character in a play yeah. about the the death of a king and yeah. the the, age, the sickness the of
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And because there's so much talk about aging and death mm-hmm. and um, you know, they, Shallow talks about people that he knew who have died yeah. already and yeah. he can't believe it. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, well, with the, Henry dying. Yeah, exactly.
0: The king is very obsessed with his sickness. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the, the other scenes that we do get with uh, um with Hotspur's uh, father yeah, is North also very con- yeah yes. Northumberland. Sorry, I always forget his title. Uh, yeah, he's he's very concerned about his health and when he should go fighting. And then he yeah. dies off stage, and he's just mentioned right, like being right. captured or something. Um, which is also Glendower's fate again. Yeah. Which is also kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's this thing that's just hanging over everything. It's hanging yeah. over all these characters, and. Falstaff, you know, dies internally. Yeah, you see it on stage. He's murdered by Hal. Yeah, uh, his his heart again uh, is so. It's kind of like this. The play kind of builds to this conclusion. Mm-hmm. Whereas the last one also built to uh, a fatal encounter between Hal and the his. An enemy yeah it was hotspur
1: but those were young men in the in battle like yes. it was it was a glorified death and it was right?
0: physical it yeah. was not oh, yeah. it was not the emotional death that he's no. uh you know condemned or Falstaff or the to.
1: kind of death where you peter out at the end of your life and, and and you die in your bed yeah you know yeah
0: like the king does like and the like, king does and like or Falstaff like staff will right learn about in, in, in Mary wise well yeah
1: yeah yeah as well. no, no spoilers sorry okay, sorry anyway <laughs> no I'm joking it's a 500 year old play yeah <laughs> um well, 400 years but either way. um yeah so it's yeah it's interesting that that um the health because you're right in part one it's a very vigorous play mm-hmm. and and Falstaff again is the one who comments on that right and comments on it's honor, right? Like yeah. a death in battle is an honor, honorable thing. I mean, he
0: makes fun of it, but he of course he it does. Out, but yeah. he's
1: the one; he's the center character that that points that out. And here, he's kind of the central character to to kind of refer to the sickness and illness and mm-hmm. weakness because he embodies all of those things and rebels against it. Um, so he's he's not even aware that he's, or maybe a part of him is, and then being spurned by Hal is what you know really hammers at home i yeah, guess that he's yeah. not the young buck that he thinks he is exactly um but yeah it's it's something that that really does hang over the whole play and and with the death of the king you usher in a new line and and you know is that enough to to fix everything
0: yeah right like is you have, cure, like... you have
1: powerful like his young brother prince john is the one who stamps out the rebellion by mm. executing all the rebels including an archbishop right yeah. like that's not gonna piss people off. <laughs> exactly. Like, like, is it enough to just crown a new king? Like, is Henry the Henry the Fourth right in assuming that Henry the Fifth's reign will be easier because he succeeded? We know that it is. Yeah. He's a successful king. But is that a foregone conclusion? Like, is is that yeah. generally?
0: Because I mean, yeah. Or was it just like Henry's Henry the Fifth uh temporary? ability to bind the nation through a war right. against France, you know, right. like what if, he, if he'd failed in that war, yeah. does the war of the roses start 20 30 years right. earlier Exactly, right? right. If know? he doesn't
1: go off and die in yeah. France yeah. of whatever it was yeah. that he died of, yeah.
0: you know, then Henry
1: he, VI doesn't ascend to the throne and maybe yeah. you have another 30 years of Henry V and yeah. then who we, knows we have a very like. different royal family today, yeah. maybe, yeah. who knows. Yeah. Um but that is that is interesting because I wanted to mention the fact that Henry IV um, it was prophesied that he would die in Jerusalem yeah. and in in reality he died in the Jerusalem room or Jerusalem chamber of Westminster Abbey um, in real life he was there praying and he passed out most accounts claim it was a stroke and mm-hmm. he died in the Jerusalem chamber so the prophecy came true he died in Jerusalem yeah. but his plan all along was to lead a holy war he yeah. wanted to lead a holy war into the, the holy land yeah. Um Probably to distract from the fact that he usurped the throne yeah. from a rightful king. Yeah. So, just like today, we have a military industrial complex that a, a, a ruler Rulers will use tweet to, yes. about <laughs> dropping a nuclear bomb on North Korea to distract from bad polling data <laughs> or whatever. Like, this is this is straight this is the, from medieval the medieval equivalent. Yes, it's, yes. it's Machiavellian yeah. handbook updated for the modern <laughs> warfare age. But that's that is kind of what happens for Henry yeah. in real life. Is that he has this other battle that he has to fight, so it unites the nation behind him. Yeah. In reality, he's succeeding a usurper, so he's just a usurper once removed, really. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it's not like it's any better. I don't. I, I find Henry's logic flawed there when he says to Hal that things will be better for you. Yeah. Um, because there's nothing.
0: Yeah, it feels very much like just prophecy based on again. We know where how it's exactly. going to wind up, right? Exactly. And I think, yeah, absent that knowledge, it, it feels foolish. It feels like, yeah, well, yeah, things are going to be great for you because you're inheriting it, and yeah. it's not like I just stole it ten years ago. Oh yeah, wait, yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. Like you know, like it's just it's kind of yeah. It seems well, foolish without that context.
1: And and he. It it also kind of feels like he's kind of trying to comfort himself a little bit, a little bit, because yeah. he's he's dying and he spent most of the last however many years Putting down with a son. And stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, and a son yeah. that he can't trust. And all of a sudden, yeah. with one speech, <laughs> Hal's convinced him. He's like, "I'm five minutes away from dying. Well, it better be okay because if it's not, everything's gonna <laughs> suck. So yeah, I'll believe what you're saying, right? That he has a, no reason really to trust Hal at yeah. all. Yeah, it's true. But he does.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. It's it's, it's a it's a those uh speeches that happen in, in yes. uh, act four are probably some of the most beautiful that we've read so yeah. far yeah. and and very touching um henry's henry V's fifth house rumination on on what the crown did to his father yeah. and how much he fears it it's like a thing that is going to suck his life force away yeah. too so he's afraid of it and then henry waking up and Hal's gone, and the crown is gone, and he feels like he's been usurped, which is his worst fear yeah. come true. And it's his son that's betrayed him. And so he leans into his son, yeah. and then his son, like, kneels and is prostrate before him. And then, like, it's beautiful and fascinating. And that's the, it comes so late in the play, but that's like the emotional core mm-hmm. of that. Storyline, yeah. That dynamic, well, that, that ha- scene.
0: See, because it's it's all one big storyline for me. It's Hal and his two fathers. Yeah, it's what it was yeah. in part one, and yeah. it's here in part two still. Yeah. Um. And he wraps up the death of one, and then leads to the death of the other. Yeah. Um. And it's and it's again, it's all building for Hal as this this Henry V that's yeah. that's in waiting. Yeah. Um. And I think yeah, it's 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 really amazing because yeah, there's there's some great language throughout um, in both of those situations, actually like, Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, again, I, I do think it's, it's interesting that the other scene with really, you know, solid emotional heft is Falstaff and doll. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they're talking about how they love each other and stuff. And it's, 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 it's very, um, and it's weird because quickly has just asked him to marry her again well because he
1: asked her to marry <laughs> yeah, him 20 years, years earlier Yeah, yeah. Years so,
0: earlier. so there's like there's this whole uh, odd kind of love triangle there mm-hmm. i guess um but it, it is it's it's uh it's kind of like we we, we don't see uh Hal's mother anywhere so it's kind of like the mother figure is is a sex worker and yeah. it's it's Falstaff can only love her in private yeah and there's there's just this whole weird dynamic there that when Hal enters into uh he's just the women are, are thrown to the side and uh Hal is once again and Hal treats Doll better than Falstaff yeah. does at that point like it, it is it's just a it's a strange, strange. Uh, triangle of relations between Hal and his two fathers and it all kind of spirals together into those last two acts where where we see... The, it all the comes end. to a head. And... Yeah. yeah. Some are born great. Some achieve greatness. Sister. And some have greatness thrust upon them.
1: Um. So we kind of already talked a little bit about um the fact that so many of these characters in this play are quite old and and look back on the past with varying levels of nostalgia yeah um most notably Falstaff and Shallow um in their conversations but Mistress Quickly as well references knowing Falstaff for some 29 years or something um and there's there's lots of talk with uh of the past in a in a glowing way, except for Henry the Fourth, who who has had such a troubled life that yeah, yeah. that he can't help but maybe wish for death by the end. Yeah. I guess right. Um, it's it's interesting that it functions in such a way because um, that that time functions in this way. I don't know. I just you you know it's something that we all we all feel that at some point. Yeah. Looking back on things with a certain sense of nostalgia, but at some point it feels like these characters are um
0: at war with time. Well,
1: maybe because that
0: that leads into <laughs> the other one, which we were going to talk about, which is warfare and how there's there's no there's no battles there's no battles there's no, no it, for a thing that's steeped in civil war still ostensibly there's no battle, um, but yeah the char- time time is the one enemy you you're all gonna lose to yeah um, and it becomes apparent to many of the characters over the play it seems like that this this death. Uh, this inevitability of death Mm -hmm. is kind of there Mm -hmm. Um, and you know it's passed off as illness in the king and uh, gout and Sexual diseases in Falstaff. Yeah. Um. But Shallow is kind of an interesting character in that way because he's he's played as very old, obviously. Yeah. And he's kind of senile and, and a little out of it and not mm-hmm. not hip, not with it. No. It's not Even Falstaff makes fun of him a lot. Um. Well, he's a generation
1: older than Falstaff. It, exactly. Yeah. Like
0: He's yeah. He was a student when Falstaff was a young. Man, was a young boy. Yeah. And then uh, by the time he was out of out in the world and Falstaff was at college, he was yeah. You know they they were separated already. So it's. It's, it's like, and Shallow's kind of approach to it is all is just like to remember it. It's, yeah. it's very much, he's always looking in the past. He's he's never really focused on the here and now. But
1: he's not worried about dying. Yeah. Like when, when the conversation turns to dying, he's like, yep, you're right. We're all going to die. Yeah, yeah, Like he's just resigned to it, yeah. which is something that I find a lot of older people that I know are just, it's not that they're they're resigned to it. They just accept it. They're like, this is something that's going to happen and I'm not worried about it anymore. Whereas me, the idea of dying at 35 is like, (laughs) I have so much left to do. But when you get to a certain age, I guess it's like, well, you know, there's nothing.
0: Yeah. And so it's interesting that, because Falstaff and the king are both still afraid of death. Um, And maybe it's because they're not at that age, but they're both played as older men. I think it's, I think it's more of a, Um, if you wanted to call it religious or spiritual or or something some sort of like uh Acceptance with the with the world around you, with you know, you've yeah. made peace yeah. with the world. Yeah. Shallow has seems to have done that, yes. um, whereas Falstaff and Henry the Fourth Falstaff hasn't extent,
1: even hasn't even made peace with his age.
0: Yeah, like exactly. let
1: alone his death. Yeah, he's
0: he's he wants like, to be a young man still. exactly,
1: yeah. and and spends most of the play as we said traipsing around with men half his age or more, yeah. and it's like. It's that kind of obliviousness that he I don't think he can he can keep that up at the end of this play. I don't think he tries. Yeah. And of course the the bailiff or whoever takes him away at the end, like yeah. he's banished. Yeah. He's not allowed to be there anymore. Yeah. Um and neither are any of the people that he's with. Yeah. Right? Including Mistress Quickly and Doll and all these people are, are all dispersed to the to the wind at the yeah. end of this play um so a hard reality is coming down on him which is he is so divorced from that's one of hal's fathers the other father being his his mm-hmm. biological dad who is um i think afraid of death because he's not sure that he's leaving the crown in the right hands yeah and and who can blame him really yeah. right like his his
0: Hal is not shown. Well, I mean, he did not go. He killed Hotspur, and he's has sure. been wizening up. I'm yeah, but
1: I, but I don't blame the king for yeah. doubting him. Yeah, right. And so I, I kind of yeah, like I, I buy that.
0: Yeah,
1: as a as a reason to be fearful of it. But once he's placated, whether that's a true re- like recognition of
0: yeah. of Hal's, Hal's ability, yeah, or something.
1: whether it's just him trying to you know, placate himself is, uh, you know, up to debate maybe. But, but at the end he kind of dies peacefully, Mm -hmm. right? At peace with the fact that he's bequeathing the crown to someone who will carry on his legacy. Yeah. Um, Which is, I guess the best that anybody can hope for. Right. Yeah. And
0: we don't get that from Falstaff. He's still in denial right to the very end. And uh, yeah. So it's, yeah, it is interesting. Especially. Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was
1: going to say just ignorance is bliss, but for yeah. Falstaff, it doesn't really seem to be that way. No. The ignorance, the the blissful ignorance that he's kind of danced with the entire time Comes is, crashing down. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the facing the truth of things leads to a, a peaceful death in his sleep for yeah. the quite sick king, but yeah. still. Yeah. Well,
0: and, and even, I mean henry the fourth is aware he's sick and dying you know yeah, Whereas Falstaff yeah. just doesn't want to think yeah. about it um yeah, so yeah he's, I, not,
1: he's not denying the truth to himself unlike northumberland who yeah the other father in the play yes. who allows two rumor filled pages to come rushing into his chambers to give him bad news and believes it and is it's only when the last news comes in that he's you know but but can't be that upset because he lied about everything that yeah, kept him away from point, the yeah. battlefield and is only a few acts later when he's called out by his daughter-in-law for yeah. it, right?
0: Yeah, so. and, and uh, the other ones, obviously, who have their heads in the sand, you know, it's kind of like the the line from um, Chernobyl where it's like every time we tell a lie, we incur a debt with the truth. Right, right. Uh, Donald Trump, Uh, you know, there's there's this kind of sense that uh, Falstaff has been building up this bubble around himself of of a, a lie. And when it comes crashing down, it's it's that much more painful. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's time and age and Hal's love. He he really doesn't know what to make of all of that. Right. Um, and then when it comes crashing down, he pays his debt in a very painful kind yeah. of way. Yeah. Um, whereas, yeah, the king is goes a little more peacefully. Um, the other people who are lied to and believe it, you know, the the and rebels. The yeah, lo- the rebels. yeah, York and everybody. Yeah. Uh, like this is all. The, the play just kind of builds up these things of like the people who can see that the writing's on the wall do better than those who yeah who who try and lie their way out of
1: yeah so it almost seems like like a, a theme of self-awareness or something yeah. that comes into play like if you if you deny the truth to yourself or to others it's not going to go well yeah. but if you can at least acknowledge however painful that truth is if you can at least acknowledge it or make peace with it better than that yeah. then that's that's well, going to lead to more happiness exactly
0: and that's what Hal ultimately does is yeah. jump right into the world of um you know he's been true with us the audience the yeah. whole time yeah. you know, since part one yeah saying like yeah I'm just doing this to lower expectations yeah. and everything and yeah and sensibly he's gonna do just fine
1: which is yeah interesting interesting if I longer
0: stay, we shall begin our ancient
1: bickerings. So it's that time again. Yes. Ancient bickerings. Indeed. Um, this this play presented, uh, we mostly agreed on most yeah. things that happened in the play. Yeah. Um, The only things we didn't agree on were because of the different, Aiden just read the play and I listened to it and then I had different ideas about it, yeah. but we talked about it and then it ended up being, <laughs> More we or less agreed same, on yeah. it. So it was hard to find a topic that we kind of, could disagree on or or bicker about but I think the interesting idea here last time we talked about the um the truth of Hal's behavior towards Falstaff yeah and in this one um because the scene in act four is so powerful when between Henry the fourth and Prince Hal um it seems like that is that's like we said the emotional center of that that story Mm -hmm between the king and his son so the question that we're going to debate today is did hal truly believe his father was dead and took the crown from him because he wanted it to be to happen or was it a reluctant what what, is he playing his father a little bit in in those scenes does he want to be king
0: Lindsay, I'm going to let you go first, actually, because I've I've got kind of two minds about it, and okay. I want to see where you go first. Because I, you, you kind of recommended this question. So I I'm, did. I'm I didn't have an you, idea,
1: you, <laughs> <laughs> so I was hoping you'd go first.
0: All right. Well. I can
1: I can I can wing it. I okay, can wing it. Well, sure. I mean, it's it's. I have a hard time with Prince Hal because he is so full of lies, and I mm-hmm. and I so I do think that he's he's spent a lot of time telling us directly to the audience and I think anytime a character tells us things directly they're taking us into their confidence into their Mm. true mind yeah so when he tells the audience that he's lying to people or that he's doing this to show how good a king he's going to be Hal is actually being truthful with us so Mm -hmm. I have to take him at his word there and I think he realizes that he would make a good king and I think I don't. I don't think he tries very hard to check if his dad's still alive. Like, I mean, it's not like he's hooked up to a heart monitor or anything. But, I mean, he's like, "Oh, there's a feather by it. It's not moving. Well, I guess he's dead." Yeah. And then he takes off with his crown, which is a weird thing to do. Yeah. It is a weird thing to do. It's like it he's, is. He's he saying, jumps straight there. He yeah. does. Yeah. And so it's like. I think he he does jump a little bit. And ambition, I I watched this really interesting little documentary about the origin of the word ambition Mm. the other day and how it it used to have very negative connotations Mm -hmm. because um, ambition was something that is related to the ancient practice of pandering for votes in the the Senate or whatever back in ancient uh, Greece and Rome and whatnot. Um, So it was not a positive thing, and it's only recently that ambition has come to mean something quite, uh, positive positive and, and something that you, um,
0: would it astri- yeah. be ambitious towards? Yes, I strive for it. Strive for um,
1: Shakespeare, in Shakespearean's t- Shakespeare's time, um, ambition was still being used in that older sense. Mm-hmm. It was not a positive trait. It was linked with tyranny. It was linked with, yeah. you know, all these negative things. So Hamlet's ambition or yeah. Macbeth's ambition yeah, are negative things that yeah. lead them to do bad things. And I feel like Hal has a little bit, a little, little bit of that ambition in him yeah. to seize the crown, literally off of the pillow next to his father's head. And when he gets called out on it, I don't know how much of that is, but I'm leaning more towards him because we know already that he's so good at it. He's going he's gonna to play to the audience in front of him. Yeah. And the audience in front of him is pissed off at him. He's dying. Dad, yeah. He probably has a little bit of feeling towards him, but we already see how he can very easily rip off that mask and be cruel to the people that he seemingly cares the most about. Mm. So I can't really believe that it's entirely true. If I were to venture like a... a it'd be like 60-40. Like 60% false and 40% true. Okay,
0: that's fair. Yeah, I... I, I kind of agree, agree with me a little bit, but it,
1: I, I with think, my slapdash <laughs> theory that I pulled <laughs> oh, out of gosh, my ass yeah. five minutes ago. That's
0: not bad. Uh, <laughs> I, I, my, I I kind of want to say that it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter oh. whether or not he's he's honest yeah. or or not because it's. I mean, you make a good point that it could be performative, even for his his father. I feel like the play doesn't want you to read it that way, obviously. No, like it's, no. The, the poetry is so uh, elegant, elegant and, and pretty. and eloquent. Just, yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, that it wants you to believe this is sincere. Yeah. Um, but I think whether or not he thinks his father's dead, um, his relationship is with the crown. Yeah, yeah, okay. You know, and I think mm-hmm. I think that's even fine for his father's... Like Henry the Fourth's relationship to Hal is through, through the, the intermediary crown. of the crown, yeah. yeah. So I feel like that's what makes it such a great scene, is because it is. It's like here's this thing that joins us. Like it's so, and it makes the whole situation with Falstaff more interesting because perhaps that really is more of a father figure, yeah. Because uh, because there's nothing in between them. Exactly. It was. Yeah. It was. It was pure. Two even. people
1: meeting on yeah, sort uh, of equal. Yeah. Grounds.
0: Yeah. Some sort of like. Uh, a meeting of minds at yeah. least whereas you don't get the sense of that at all it's all no. about the crown every interaction between uh henry the fourth and hal is about you're not gonna be you're not being a very great prince hal you yeah. know you gotta if you're gonna be well, king one day and, and
1: the king constantly refers to him as the prince of wales the yes. prince of wales yes. the prince of wales yes. his There's title no,
0: no yeah so it, it, i i get this i get where you're going at and i i think the the play kind of dances around a little bit but at the end of the day the scene is structured around the crown so it is really uh whatever the you you can't really view Hal or henry the fourth uh their relationship to each other without that intermediary um because it, it kind of overshadows everything so
1: damn you man
0: that's a, that's a good point right
1: it's a really good point yeah
0: well so you made some really great points No, nah, but go? i
1: think you i think you i think you win this one because you're right <laughs> like the metaphor of the crown and then the the literal crown there yeah that's the more important thing. <laughs> so it doesn't—it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, victory. God damn it! I hate it when that happens. I don't. Now the rest of the weekend's gonna be ruined because he's just—he's just gloating the whole time. <laughs> <sighs> well, this has been fun.
0: Yeah. <laughs> thank you. What's up? Oh,
1: oh thank you. Yeah. Yeah. For, thank you for, for
0: the win. Yeah. Thank you for the W. You're welcome. Um, so next up, we have. Uh, the hollow crown yes season oh, one yes. Looking part to two that. for us but yeah. yeah we we are very much looking forward to no, haven't watched it yet nope uh we'll be starting this week probably uh it should be a good time
1: yeah um, I, and i'm i'm up for anything with tom hiddleston in it honestly yes, and, and him I, I really i am really curious to see i forget who they get to play falstaff but i am really curious to see how yes. they play that relationship yeah, the with the same thing. actor again through all those roles but also because the the hollow crown with the henry the sixth and richard the yeah. third story yeah um the later the first Henriad, but the later Henriad. yeah um how they what they chose to keep and what they chose to get yes. rid of i'm really curious to see how they do it it was so well done in yeah. that that version or that part that yeah. i'm really curious to see how
0: they. yeah it seems like figure. these ones are pretty much just like mini movies for each there's four episodes I think and four plays so I think they they hewed pretty close to the actual plays Um, after that Lindsay what's the next play
1: Uh, the next play will be Much Ado About Nothing so I'm really looking forward to that yeah it'll be a a summer blockbuster month for our you know quarantined asses (laughs) Um, and then you get to watch your your babe
0: yes she's so Aiden
1: has such a crush on Emma Thompson it's ridiculous (gasps) But uh, so yeah that'll be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> For sure everyone I will be gushing. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, um, yeah, yeah, so it'll be it'll be a fun uh, fun look and then we jump right back into Mary Wise of Windsor after that. So yeah. we're not not quite done with Falstaff as a character.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and we obviously still have
0: um Henry the Fifth which is shortly go, which after, is shortly after yeah. yeah.
1: All those plays were kind of written. And then we'll be done with the,
0: the yeah, most English most histories. History- yeah, well, there's still Henry the 8th, the 8th, but yeah. that Thompson. That's about it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So this will be a nice wrap on the English histories. Yeah, we'll, absolutely. We'll we'll be moving into the the big name, the tragedies, yes. are coming the Hamlets. Oh my gosh,
1: Hamlets, Macbeth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lear, Lear. Othello. Like, there's just gonna
0: be, and then some of the biggest comedies too, yeah. uh, Twelfth Night and what have you. So yeah, we're it's we're getting to the good stuff. Yes, we are. So uh, hopefully you'll join us for that. And uh, thank you for being here today.
1: You can find all our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast fix.
0: If you want to tell us what you think of Shakespeare, his plays, poems, or any of the topics we discuss, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us on Twitter, that's at Bixpod.
1: on Facebook at facebook.com slash TheBixPod, or by email at thebixpod at gmail.com. That's our cue to exit.